1: Hope you're having a blessed day. It's uh, always a privilege uh, to uh, be with you and to serve you. Um, I'm your host, Al-Fadi, and you're listening to Let Us Reason. And um, we've been uh, doing a wonderful series with uh, our dear brother, Sam Shimon, who is, uh, by the way, joining me again today to continue our discussions. Last time, we started a new discussion, new topic related to the titles of Jesus in the Quran. And um, the reason why, of course, we're doing this, um, as Sam also mentioned um, in the previous episodes, we're not using the Quran, really, because we acknowledge the Quran as a, uh, the Word of God or as an authoritative scripture, but really, we want to meet the Muslims somewhere, and we want to help our Muslim people see for themselves that even their own book elevated the status of Jesus. Therefore, it will behove them, really, to allow us now to show them the rest of the story from the true Word of God, that's the Bible. And uh, with that said, uh, today we are going to discuss um, a number of other titles for Jesus, if uh, the Lord allows us to do it in one show or two shows. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And uh, last time we began this by talking about uh, Jesus' description as the Word of Allah, basically, in the Quran. Uh, Sam, welcome aboard, brother.
2: <clears throat> it's my pleasure and honor to be here, and to be used of the Lord Jesus Christ to serve you and your audience. And I also invoke the Lord Jesus for his grace and mercy to fill us with the Spirit, to speak truth about error, and to glorify Him, so that every Muslim knee will bow and every Muslim tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. To the glory of God the Father for their salvation, and that Christians will be strengthened for the glory of Jesus Christ. So may the Lord Jesus have His way with us. So, again, good to be here.
1: <clears throat> Thank you, brother. So uh, why don't you, uh, first of all, brother, just tell people uh, right off the bat how they can get a hold of you, contact you, and hopefully prayerfully bless you as well.
2: Yes, uh, they can go to the main site that that I write for, Answering Islam. Now, you can go to answering-islam.org or answeringislam.net. And I also started a blog of sorts called answeringislamblog.wordpress.com. Answeringislamblog.wordpress.com. They can find my latest articles on that blog before they appear on the main site. They can also find me on YouTube by doing my name and and in those websites, they'll find my email address if they want to partner with me, prayerfully and financially. So I encourage them to go because there's tons of articles. We're only scratching the surface. Uh, tons of articles that go really in-depth on these issues for the glory of Jesus Christ.
1: Amen. So, brother, um, take it from here. Last time, as I mentioned, we talked about one of those uh, the titles, uh, that Jesus is the Word of Allah. Uh, you know, and, and that really, in and of itself, um, should trouble a Muslim because uh, to call on yeah. the Word of Allah, there is some divinity already uh, applied to his nature.
2: Yes, yeah, uh, as we said last time, because again, we just a real quick uh, summary. So we looked at several verses of the Qur'an, and I'll mention them for the benefit of the audience, to so go back and cross-reference. Uh, chapter 3, verse 39, and chapter 3, verse 45, those passages speak of John the Baptist Yahya being sent to confirm a word from Allah, and in 45 we are told who that word is. The word of Allah, the word from Allah, Is the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary. So, as a side note, here we see the Quran confirming John the Baptist as the forerunner of Christ. So, Lord willing, we'll revisit that issue a little later if we have time. But those two verses, we are explicitly told that Jesus is a word from Allah, that John the Baptist was sent to confirm a word from Allah, which later on is said to be Jesus the Messiah. The passage that we were unpacking was chapter 4 of the Quran, verse 171. the chapter of Woman, 131. There, it ascribes the following qualities entitled to Jesus. It says, O people of the book, do not exaggerate in your religion, right? Do not go beyond the bounds of religion and speak nothing but the truth about Allah. It says the Messiah, Jesus, the son of Mary, the apostle of Allah, was his word which he conveyed or cast down to Mary and a spirit from him. So notice, he's the Messiah. He's the apostle of Allah. Or God, His Word, the Word of Allah, or the Word of God, which He cast down to Mary and a spirit from Him. Now, we're talking about the implication of the Word of Allah. That that phrase given to Jesus, if He is God's Word that was cast down to Mary, that affirms that Jesus had a pre-human existence because He existed with God or Allah before He came down to Mary, and He existed as His Word. And as I stated last time. God's Word is eternal, uncreated, because at no point in God's existence was He devoid of His Word, His ability to communicate and express Himself. God's Word is eternal, because God eternally possesses the ability to express Himself. Well, if Jesus is that Word, and He was with God before He came down to Mary, that affirms not only His pre-human existence, but the fact that Jesus is also eternal by nature. This is further confirmed by the other titles. We didn't spend much time discussing that, but here again it says, a spirit from him. Notice, a spirit from him. Ruhun So he again affirms that before Jesus came down to Mary, he existed with Allah, with God, as a personally distinct entity who proceeds from him, and while he was with Allah, with God, he existed as spirit. So catch it. The Quran is affirming that Jesus, in his divine origin or heavenly origin, existed as spirit not flesh because that makes sense he took flesh when he entered the womb of his blessed mother so what you have here is a quranic echo of the prologue of john where it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and the word became flesh he wasn't always flesh but he became flesh at a point in time moreover in first Corinthians 13 <clears throat> The Blessed Apostle Paul identifies Jesus Christ as a life-giving Spirit. So here you have affirmation, New Testament affirmation, for Jesus being the Word of God, who at some point in time became flesh, and because He's the Word of God, because He's divine, and His divine nature, He is Spirit. So He's the Spirit that came forth from the Father, as the Father's Word, as the Father's self-expression, to become a human being from His Blessed Mother. And you have that echoed in chapter 4, verse 171. So do you see that,
1: brother? Absolutely. And uh, I just want to direct the people also to this. Uh, The Quran actually does confirm, in this very verse, in chapter 4 of the Quran, Surah An-Nisa, the woman, uh, verse 171, does confirm the Incarnation. Because if he's a spirit, as Sam mentioned, meaning in his pre-incarnate state, and he was with Allah... Uh, Obviously, that uh, shows us the pre-existence and the divinity in terms of his nature. But even set that aside, the very denial that uh, Jesus is God incarnate, the Quran actually goes totally against the Muslim understanding and confirms actually the spirit who existed with Allah, the word of God who was with Allah, part of Allah, representing Allah, became flesh by the fact that he was given to Mary breathed into mary and appeared as a child
2: yep exactly and i want to uh, further elaborate what you just said i am not denying that the quran condemns belief in the deity of christ it actually does in several places albeit it misrepresents what christians believe so to be fair to the quran and not butcher it let me give the references where it clearly condemns those who say that jesus is the son of allah or that Allah is the messiah the son of mary which again Misrepresents what Christians actually believe, but we can elaborate on in future shows. But again, the references. Chapter 5 of the Quran, verse 17, and chapter 5, verse 17. Chapter 5, verse 72, we are told that they are disbelievers. They are unbelievers who say the Messiah. I'm sorry. Again, I'm thinking Christian theology here. I'm correcting the Quran as I'm mentioning it. It's funny. It actually says they are disbelievers who say Allah is the Messiah, the Son of Mary. Now, Muslims traditionally have taken that to mean that Christians aren't believers for saying that Christ is divine, fully God, distinct from the Father, one with Him in essence. But that's not what the Quran actually says, and we can visit that later on, Lord willing, to demonstrate that even that formulation is a mistake. But with that said, chapter 9, verse 30, we are told that the Nasara are under God's curse. The Nasara is the Arabic term used to describe the followers of Jesus. And again, that too is worth a show. Why is it the Qur'an calls the Nasara? But, again, the future session. There it says Nasara, those who follow Jesus, i.e. the Christians, are under Allah's curse, and Allah will fight them for saying that the Messiah is the Son of Allah. So the Qur'an does deny that Jesus is the Son of God. It even wants to deny, albeit <clears throat> incorrectly, that Jesus is divine. But at the same time, it ascribes to Jesus certain titles and characteristics that show he is fully God, fully divine, he's more than human. This is the contradictory nature of the Quran, and the reason why I believe the Quran contains these contradictory statements is because Muhammad, under the influence of that spirit, is hearing Christians describe Jesus, and so he's adopting and adapting some of these functions, some of these attributes, some of these titles, in order to make it part of his own theology with the hope that then the Christians will be enticed to consider Muhammad and his message and take him seriously. Because after all, if Muhammad came out and condemned Jesus outright, or denied, let's say, that Jesus is the virgin, virgin-born son or the Messiah, which Christian would take him seriously? No one, right?
1: Correct, correct.
2: But it makes sense that he would want to affirm as much as he can about Jesus, which Christians believe, in order to get them to consider him and his message seriously. But he didn't realize that in so doing, he was actually <clears throat> digging the, you know, his, his grave because he, he presented a contradictory portrait of Christ. And point of fact, since we're on this point, you're aware of this, but most readers are not aware that according to the Muslim scholars, not according to me or you, according to people like Tabri, Ibn Tafir, and others, the first 80 verses of chapter 3. Chapter 3 of the Quran is called the chapter of the house of Imran. Imran, supposedly, being the name of Jesus' maternal grandfather, the father of Mary. And we'll talk about that in a minute. According to these scholars, the first 80 verses of that chapter were composed in response to Muhammad's debate with an Arabian Christian delegation. Arab Christians from Najran, Najrani Christians, Arab Christians that come in order to debate Muhammad and ask him questions about Jesus. So some of the things that they challenged them on, some of the issues that they raised, are found in the Quran, specifically in chapter 3, because what we find in the first 80 verses are Muhammad's so-called inspired response to their questions and objections. Are you with me there on, on that, brother?
1: Absolutely. I'm even looking at al tabari right now, and it's talking about those Christians from Najran who came to meet with him.
2: Now, he confirms that the first 80 verses were composed to answer their objections. Now, why is that important? Because even Ibn Kathir will admit this, that verse 7 of chapter 3 of the Quran was composed in order to disarm Christians of using the Quranic statement in support of Jesus' deity against Muhammad. Now, let me read that, and then I'll break that down. Let me read what the passage says. It is he who sent down to you, Muhammad, to thee the book, wherein are verses that are clear, and they are the mother of the book. So this book contains clear verses. Those verses are the mother, meaning the very foundation of the book. And other passages are ambiguous. Um, Ambiguous, meaning not so clear. Now watch this. As for those in whose heart is swerving, they follow the ambiguous part, desiring dissension. And desire its interpretation, and none know its interpretation save only Allah. And those firmly rooted in knowledge will say, "We believe in it." All is from your, from our Lord. Yet none remembers but men possessed of minds. Now let me explain what this passage is saying and its relevance to the contradictory portrait given of Jesus in the Quran. This passage says that the Quran contains two sets of verses. One set of verses are clear, unambiguous self-explanatory. Those are the foundational verses. Those are the verses that you're supposed to look to and build upon in order <clears throat> to know what you're supposed to believe and how to live. But there are another set of passages. These passages are unclear. They're vague, ambiguous. And so those who believe will never look to the unclear passages to develop a theology or a Christology. Now, it says that there are people who focus on the unclear passages because their aim is to use those unclear passages to cause confusion and dissent. According to Ibn Tisir, this is referring to the Christians of Najran. Now, why is it referring to them? Ibn Tisir admits, Ibn Tisir, one of the greatest Muslim expositors of all time, in his commentary to the verse, he admits that the Christians of Najran, these Arabic-speaking, these Arab Christians, we're using Muhammad's affirmation that Jesus is the Word and Spirit of Allah to prove the divinity of Christ. They basically said to him, look, you admit Jesus is the Word of God. You admit he's a spirit from him. And so admitting, you are affirming not just the Trinity, but the eternal pre-human existence of Christ. Therefore, what's your problem? Muhammad's response was, oh, no, no, no. Those are unclear verses. Those verses that speak about Jesus being the Word and Spirit, They're unclear, they're vague, they're ambiguous. No one knows what they mean except Allah, so stop using them. Did you catch it?
1: Yep. Do
2: you see how convenient that was?
1: Absolutely, and the Quran is filled with those kind of uh, incidents. In fact, uh, I just want to remind my listeners, if you're uh, listening to us right now, this is Let Us Reason, and I'm your host, Al-Fadi. With me here, Sam Shimon, and we're talking about uh, continuing uh, the series about the titles of Jesus in the Quran. And and Sam was elaborating on a verse found in chapter 3, verse 7, Uh, Chapter 3 of the Qur'an, Surat al-Imran, verse 7, where the Qur'an distinguishes between two classes, by the way, uh, of uh, passages that are found in the Qur'an some that are really known, easy to understand, others that are really vague now. And of course, uh, the, the commentators are all over the board about what that means. But uh, nevertheless, exactly, the idea here was that Muhammad was debating uh, with uh, the Christians from Najran over the identity of Christ, and that's what prompted this, uh, this verse uh, to be revealed.
2: Yeah, but what's interesting about that, this is ad hoc. In other words, chapter 3, verse 7, was only composed after Muhammad got taught in other words, when Muhammad got caught by his own statements concerning Jesus, that's when he came up with this convenient explanation. But in, in coming up with that explanation, he introduced another contradiction. The Quran goes out of its way, passage after passage after passage. Passage is composed in Mecca, passage is composed in Medina. It goes out of its way to say that this book is clear, it's perspicuous, and it fully explains all of its verses. Case in point, chapter 41, verse 3 of the Quran. Notice what it says, chapter 41, verse 3. A book whereof the verses are explained in detail. doesn't say some. It says, a book whereof the verses are explained in detail. Now let me give you another one, 1689. Watch here, chapter 16, verse 89. And we have sent down upon thee the book, making clear everything. Making clear everything, an exposition of everything. Now, for the life of me, if the Quran is a book that makes everything clear and provides a detailed explanation of its verses, how then can you have a verse saying that some of its verses are unclear? Can you explain that to me?
1: Absolutely, brother. And I just want to remind people that even uh, in uh, the same website, answering-islam.org, I even corresponded with uh, uh, Bassam uh, uh, Zawadi, basically, who was one of the Taoist uh, Islamic Taoists, uh, on the idea is half the Quran already fully detailed and clear. Yeah, so um, That's
2: funny, yeah. I don't mean to laugh. I don't want to offend your Muslim audience, because we want to love them for the sake of Jesus. But really, it baffles me how anyone can look at this book as being miraculous, to me, the real miracle is that people think it's a miracle and think that the Bible is corrupt when the Bible possesses such depth and beauty and, and just mind-blowing information <clears throat> about God, about Christ, about salvation. But be that as it may, coming to the point, we see again that even at the time of Muhammad, Christians were taking Muhammad's own statements found in the Quran that Jesus is the Word of God and the Spirit from him, or the Spirit of God, to prove the divinity of Christ. So then Muhammad had to say, well, no, no, those passages are unclear. Now, that's very important in our witness to Muslims, because oftentimes the Muslim will try to explain what it means for Jesus to be the Word of God and the Spirit from Him. The moment they explain, they're violating the Quran Because remember what chapter 3, verse 7 says? These verses are unclear. No one knows what they mean except God. If only God knows what they mean, how dare Muslims try to explain their meaning? You see the problem?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, brother, for bringing all these issues. This is another reason why I want uh, my audience to uh, really uh, uh, make every effort to follow your writings. Uh, it's uh, very enriching. By the way, I, I say it and I say it with conviction to everybody who's listening. The Lord has used Sam in my life in a marvelous way. Uh, in fact, my ability to learn how to at least uh, do apologetics tools was taught to me by this dear brother. So uh I'm so thankful for his ministry, and I pray that the Lord will bless your ministries as well through his. So, brother, um, you know, we have about five minutes left. Uh, okay. And certainly, hopefully, we can continue this deep discussion uh, in the next episode next week. Uh, anything else you want to add to this in terms of what yes. you're trying to build on?
2: Yeah, I just want to again repeat that I'm not using the Quran to prove the truth of Christianity because Christianity does not stand or fall on the testament of the Quran. I'm only appealing to the Qur'an for the sake of the Muslims. They believe this book. That means they're stuck with it, and stuck with whatever it says. Therefore, they're stuck with the fact that the Qur'an presents a contradictory picture of Christ. In one breath, it wants to say that he's just a man, a servant. But in another breath, it affirms that he's eternal, he's one with Allah, he's one with God. His being originates from God, not from the earth, because he's he's God's eternal self-expression, his word. And in heaven... In the presence of God, he existed as spirit, and that spirit eventually became flesh when he descended to enter into the Blessed womb of Mary, the mother of our Lord. So this is something that Muslims have to strive with, they have to contend with. The fact that the Quran in one breath wants to say, Jesus is just a servant, but then makes statements about him to show that he must be God, he must be divine, he must be eternal. And that's confirmed by the fact that since 4171 says that Jesus came down from Allah as his word to Mary, and proceeded from him as a spirit to Mary, <clears throat> it isn't surprising to find the says that he then went back to God, to Allah. In chapter 3, verse 55, and chapter 4, verse 158, chapter 3, verse 55, chapter 4, verse 158, it says that Allah took Jesus himself, not to the second heaven, not to the third heaven, because in Islamic cosmology, there are seven heavens. He now dwells above all the heavens, above the seven heavens, above the throne, with Allah, because the Quran says Jesus was taken to be with Allah. So no, he came from God, he came from Allah, and he returned to God, he returned to Allah, unlike humans who come from the dust and return to the dust, as we find in the case of Muhammad.
1: Amen to that. Amen to that, brother. Um, And so
2: hopefully in the next show we'll pick up on some other titles, like the Messiah and the fact that Jesus has the power to create and give life. Providing further evidence that the Quran depicts Jesus as divine, not just human, but divine who
1: became flesh. Uh, Brother, in in one minute, um, if you can add also that there's this idea of progressive uh, understanding and interpretations, usually by Muslims of certain things, certain identities, certain passages, even though sometimes it disagrees with their own Quran. For instance, you know, they will tell you the spirit is actually Gabriel. That was a later interpretation, things like that. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, is this a theme? Uh, you know, I want my audience to hear your thoughts on that as a researcher.
2: Yeah, well, we need to distinguish what the Quran teaches and what later Islamic theology developed. In later Islamic theology, as they contended with various groups, whether Jews, Christians, or whatever, Islamic theology started developing, and in, in ways contrary to what the Quran teaches. Like you said, Muslims will say that the Holy Spirit is Gabriel. The Quran denies that is not the Holy Spirit. So we see that because of their interaction with Christians and Jews and unbelievers over time, Islamic theology develops in directions that even contradict the plain teaching of the Quran. And so yes, we need to distinguish and be careful. When a Muslim says this is what Islam teaches, he may be correct as far as the later development of Islamic theology, but may be incorrect because that later development at times contradicts the plain reading of the Quran. <clears throat>
1: so we
2: have to distinguish and be careful.
1: And uh, finally, brother, in uh, less than a minute, uh, how can people get a hold of you once again before we close the show?
2: Yep, they can go to answeringislam.net or answering-islam.org, look at individual authors, find my name, Sam Shamoon. they'll find the uh, majority of my articles there and my email, so they can contact me via email, and they can go to my blog, answeringislamblog.wordpress.com, answeringislamblog.wordpress.com, and look for me on YouTube. Put Sam Shemoon, you'll find all my lectures and debates, as well as Muslim Attacks, on YouTube. so And please do pray that God will continue to sustain me, my family, for His glory, fill us with the Spirit to be holy and in love with Jesus and finish the work that He began in us for the glory of Christ.
1: Amen, brother. Thank you so much. And if you're listening to us, you've been listening to Let Us Reason, and I'm your host, Alfadi, and with me here was Sam Shimon. And as we approach the close of our show, I really encourage you to listen to this episode and the previous ones just by visiting my website, sirainternational.com. sira That's C as in Charlie, SiraInternational.com. Go to the archive in there uh, for Let Us Reason. And, uh, of course, you can uh, learn about what we do and uh, watch uh, many of our videos and apologetic videos and teaching seminars and and all that kind of uh, good stuff that uh, the Lord um, has blessed us with to be able to reach out to the lost. And at the end of the day, we pray for our Muslim people that they will uh, have their eyes open and they begin to realize that Jesus is the Savior Until we meet again, have a blessed week.